shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Woo! Come on, somebody. The enemy has been defeated. We're not waiting for the enemy to, to be defeated. We're not waiting because it's already been done. The sacrifice was made on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says once and for all, Jesus made the sacrifice for our sins. The enemy come on, come on. has been defeated. Somebody needs to write, you need to get that in your soul. The enemy has been defeated. You can walk around and you can act like he's still powerful. You can act like he's still got abilities. But the only power and ability the enemy has is what you give him because he's been defeated. He might roar, but he's a toothless little lion. He don't have any power over you because death has been has been conquered. The grave has been conquered. Jesus is alive. He's a well. He is victorious. The enemy's been defeated. Yeah, and death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make your praises loud. Oh, say the enemy has been defeated. atmosphere of praise in this house. Amen? You know what? What brings about, about a presence like this is really what, what we sang right before that. That we exalt the Lord. You know, David said this way, I'll exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Because when there is an atmosphere of praise, when there is a a presence of exaltation of the King of Glory, then it gives Him a welcome mat, if you will, into your temple. And we understand that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and when we make an atmosphere that is welcoming for the Holy Spirit, we can sing, Welcome, Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this temple. And I'm so thankful that you have come with that vibrancy and that desire to enter into his presence because it is that atmosphere that we begin to see the enemy under our feet. We begin to see the glory of God revealed. We begin to see lives transformed for his presence, being transformed from glory to glory to glory. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to be in his presence and a part of his body to worship together with you 
man, God is so good, isn't he? I mean, isn't God just good? I mean, all I can do is think of the goodness of God. Dorothy, would you, would you just lead us in the song, The Goodness of God? This is Sammy Pena's sister. She's angelic as she sings, man. And I want her to lead us in the song, The Goodness of God. And as we have already entered in, I want us to just continue in this atmosphere of worship and let his presence envelop you as we sing about his goodness. And let the glory of the Lord just rest on you like a, like a kavod, like a heaviness. And feel the presence of the Lord in this house this morning. You know, the only hindrances from recognizing the presence of God is our own limitation because his presence is right here in this place. But he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you until the end of the day. The presence of God is right here. Let's experience that together. Amen. Pastor, I want to thank you for the opportunity to sing. And thank you all so much, praise team. Um, about crying my magnetic lashes off. But um, I'm Sammy's sister, and that's my beautiful sister-in-law and my nephew, Jeremiah. Thank you all for having me today. I've been blessed. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. How many has he been good to, y'all? And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good with every your voice you have led me through the fire in my darkest night you were close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God
just a part, not just a piece, but all my life, he's been faithful. Sammy, even when I was the most ignorant, acting up, crazy child, he was faithful. I don't know where you feel this morning and how you may feel like I'm unworthy to receive. You may feel like, who am I to be able to be used by God? But I'm here to encourage you this morning that even in your craziness, He is faithful. Yes, Cash, in spite of it all, in spite of it all, He still loves us. The Word of God says that even while I was still in sin, Christ died for me. 
He opened an avenue and he made a way where I could have right relationship with the Father. And then through him, not because of anything that I have done, but because of the grace of God, it allows me the imperfect, broken pieces to come and be made whole. And he presents me to the Father as the whole, cleansed, pure bride of Christ. Isn't that awesome? All my life, he's been faithful. All your life, he's faithful. One more time, let's just praise him. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, may we not take for granted what you have given us. God, may we not overlook the wonderful love and mercy that you've given us, the, the gift that keeps on giving, the grace that was unmerited favor, even while I was broken, God, you gave. Lord, we just worship you this morning. We honor you and we praise you for what you have done for us. And Lord, even more so, we are so thankful, God, that you are still walking with us on this journey. We're not left alone. We're not by ourselves. But God, you are with us even now. And Lord, we lean on you, the everlasting arm, right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you love him this morning? Do you really love him? Amen. 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 As always, team, thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Dorothy, thank you for sharing with us this morning. We really appreciate you uh, stepping in. And, and I found out she was going to be here. I said, you're singing, right? And she so graciously said, yes. So thank you. Now, you know, I, I don't know if you know, but I have a house for sale. And, um, I mean, I'm just, if you're in the neighborhood wanting to move. <laughs> for those of you online didn't hear what Dan said, you can sing every Sunday. <laughs> Amen. I know that this is Memorial Day weekend, and we have some who are sitting by a campfire somewhere or got a got a hook and a worm in some hole uh, trying to, you know, follow Jesus' footsteps and, you know, catch some fish, maybe pull a coin out of their mouth. I don't know. But anyway, we, we are, we're not, we're not bypassing the fact that it's Memorial Day weekend. You know, we, we don't want to forget. I mean, that's why there is a Memorial Day weekend. We don't want to forget the sacrifices that were made for us. We have this ability right now because of genuine sacrifice of men and women who have served our country, who have fought and died in, in battle for us. You know, um, Kim and I had the privilege of visiting Shiloh down in, it's actually part of, uh, flows into Mississippi and part of southern uh, Middle Tennessee it's an enormous um, battle site that took place and thousands upon thousands of graves, as far as you can see, uh, little crosses all around. And 
And it, it, the story is told that it was because of ladies uh, from uh, Meridian, Mississippi, who actually walked um, around the grounds of that area back in the you know, um, 1800, early, uh, late 1800s, putting flowers on each person's grave. That actually was one of the unifying factors of now what we call Memorial Day. It was uh, considered called Decoration Day for years. And, and so, you know, we're, we're thankful for the sacrifices. Maybe, maybe some of you in this room right now have lost a loved one in battle, and, and uh, you know, we, we honor, we honor that the sacrifice they've made. We're thankful for that. You know, we're, we're su- super thankful. I think sometimes I believe our society strays from, uh, from its roots and its path because too often we don't recognize and remember what has been done for us. You, you, ever, you ever had a spoiled child? It's because they don't, rem- they don't know the sacrifice you made to be where you are. And how, how many of you, when you started out in, in your early married life, you started out with what your parents had, you know, at the end of their life? Huh. It don't happen that way. They don't know, you know, you know, my dad tells me stories, you know, I, I wanted to start out, you know, I, I had this dream at, at 14 and 15 years old that the car I wanted was a Cadillac. One of those little Sportster Cadillacs. I'm thinking, man, when I get 16 and able to drive, I'm going to have one of those Sportster Cadillacs. But that VW Bug worked just as good. <laughs> but, you know, my dad tells me stories of growing up and, and living in, uh, uh, literally, when we went into the jungles of Honduras, he said, Paul, this is exactly how my house was growing up. And I'm like, what? I mean, you could see the chickens through the floors of the, of the, you know, cracks in the floor. And he said that when they swept growing up, they would just sweep, you know, right down and the chickens would be under the ground eating. I'm like, well, we got dogs for that now. <laughs> but we don't, we don't recognize the, the sacrifices made. We too often forget all that has happened. And, and not only that, I think even as Christians, we overlook the sacrifice of Christ that was made for us. It's so easy to, to just let that be a story. It's so easy to just let that be something else in history that's happened that we allude to as a part of something that has given us encouragement. But to understand the genuine sacrifice that Christ made for us that we could have eternal life, that this is not the end of life. This is a journey that we're on, and this is just a piece uh, of the puzzle, and to know that we have something awesome and something glorious. Come on, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, uh, we don't talk about heaven and hell enough, to, but the idea is that we have a home in glory, you know, for those who trust Jesus, for those who understand the sacrifice that he made and believe that that sacrifice was for us and we believe that and that we believe that he raised was risen from the dead and he's sitting at the right hand of the father we have a hope that is genuine that is far beyond what we can imagine on this side of glory we don't uh, physically able to comprehend the grandeur glorious idea of heaven and what it means right 
to think that there's streets of gold and gates of pearl and walls made of jasper and to think uh, that God has all of that available for every single one of us, those who, those who enter into his hope. Come on, somebody. Y'all love Jesus? I love Jesus. And I just think that we need to recognize, I mean, we're still, we're in that um, 50-day period from the time of, uh, of the death of Christ to, uh, and resurrection to the time of the ascension and Pentecost. I mean, most people, you know, we think of, well, Jesus died and on the third day he rose and we automatically think, well, man, he just, he just ascended right then. But, you know, the Bible tells us that he actually walked on the earth 40 days. Think about that. 40 days doing miracles and presenting himself and people saw him and, and, and experienced the, the presence of the glorified body of Christ Jesus right there in that moment. And, and really, if you think about it, we can talk about, I mean, I, I don't like to see a cross with Christ still on the cross because he's not on the cross any longer. It's an, it's an, it's an empty cross. But, you know, a lot of churches have crosses in the back. But, you know, I wish that there could be a picture of an empty grave. Because, in reality, the cross is necessary, but without, with, without the empty grave, it means nothing. Because there's a whole lot of people that were crucified throughout the Roman history, but Jesus wasn't just crucified, he was raised from the dead. Amen? And there's an anointing and a power that comes in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Amen. And see, I even look. These guys are, don't, don't we have an awesome media team? Look at that, man. Yeah. Just say the words and it happens. <laughs> and so this morning, I want us to just talk about the, the hope of the third day. The anointing of the third day, the power of the third day, and what that means for, for each one of us. I mean, I go back to a story, and I'm going to go through a couple of different stories to, to bring about this point of the third day. But I remember a story back in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 uh, is where Peter, uh, God shows Peter a vision because Peter's kind of against this idea of meeting with the Gentiles and wanting them to hear the word of God. And, and he's kind of uh, got into his own little bubble, so to speak. And, and yet God's showing him a vision, revealing to him a need to preach the gospel in all places, not just to uh, Jews or the Israelites. But So not only that, on the other side, Cornelius is also receiving a vision. He's, an angel comes to him and says that you need to call uh, Simon Peter to come and and minister to to, to the, his household and and so uh, these two places come together and here's uh, Simon Peter and he comes into Cornelius's house and and he begins to share the word of God and and, and the words that he shared is out of uh, Acts chapter ten verse forty four. Uh, yep, verse forty four. While Peter was still speaking these words. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Can you imagine that? I mean, this is, this is what he is he's declaring. This is what he's saying. Well, and he's declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he's, 
that he rose, that he was buried, that he crucified, buried, and rose on the third day. And, and as he said those words, and he rose on the third day, it's that moment that all of a sudden the power of God entered that place and God blessed that house and put his anointing on that house. And they began to speak in tongues and God touched them. So we see that this blessing, that this anointing that God has given us, that not only, did he, uh, not only was he crucified, not only was he buried, but he rose on the third day. And we were empowered by a third day anointing. It is the hope of glory. And we need to understand that we have this hope, the same hope that Jesus shared with us is the same hope we have now. Amen? So there's hope in Christ. In Mark chapter 8, we're looking around verse 27 through 31. Uh, they're going through Caesarea Philippi, and, and Jesus began to talk to his disciples. He said, you know, who do people say that I am? And, and, you know, some were saying, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you are uh, Elijah. Some say that you're just a great prophet. And, and he's, you know, saying, okay, well, that's, that's pretty cool. So who do you say that I am? And we, we all recognize that Peter, in his uh, profound self, said, Thou art the Christ. I mean, in other words, Peter exerted himself. He began to declare in faith, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? And he, he was recognized, You are the Messiah. You're the, you're the Holy One. You're the, you're the Chosen One. You're the one that, that, uh, that has been declared throughout all of all the Old Testament. This anointed one would come, and you're that one. But then, then Peter, then Jesus began to share with them and say, you know, well, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be turned over to religious leaders, and they're going to, they're going to persecute me. They're going to, they're going to beat me. They're going to crucify me. And Peter's like, whoa, wait a minute, Lord. You're the Messiah. You're the chosen one. You're, you're the anointed one. There's no way. I, that can't happen. We're not going to let that happen. Of course, we all understand that Peter, Jesus looked at Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, one minute here's Peter declaring, You know, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The next minute he's, he's being rebuked for being full of Satan. <laughs> then Christ begins to teach in Mark chapter 8, 31, and he, will, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and, and after three days rise again. Wow. In John chapter 10, 17 and 18, it says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Verse 18, No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. He knew that if he laid his life down, that he, would, that he would raise it up again. Come on. He knew that there was the anointing and the power of God to raise his life up. I mean, we can look at Matthew chapter 6, 26 and 39, and we can see that there was a, there was a sense of burden being carried by Christ Jesus as he entered the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knew that he was praying that he would carry this burden to the cross he said father if it be thy will let this cup pass from me but i really believe that he was declaring i understand the weight of this cup and i know that this will pass from me hebrews chapter 12 and 2 says that for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of god 
You can't say that he despised something or that, that he was carrying a burden for something if he was walking in joy. He knew that he was laying down his life for purpose. He knew that he would rise again on the third day. So in Christ Jesus, there is a hope that we have that not only do we see that he has risen, but we also with him shall rise as well. Come on, somebody. Amen? We're not some, you know... A society that's broken down and that when death enters, it is the last step. It is the beginning step of eternity. And this is not the last hope we have. Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. And just as he was risen, we shall also rise. Amen. So we see a hope in Christ, but we also see a hope of the church. Exodus chapter 8 and 27 talks about Moses when he told Pharaoh. He, said, he asked Pharaoh, he said, give us a three days journey into the wilderness so that we can praise God. There's that word three again, that number three again. And, and, and I believe that so many times God's wanting us to enter into his presence and, and yet we're not willing to spend the time to get into his presence. We enjoy the warm fuzzies of a worship service and God's looking for a people who's willing to get into a, a quiet place, a place that is of solitude and truly seek his face. Come on, somebody. I mean... The fact is, is that the world wants to quieten us. They want to silence us. They, they, don't, they want to take away our ability to worship God. And, and, and a lot of times it's not necessarily taking away our ability to worship God. They want to water us down. Isn't that what the enemy wants to do? If he, if he can water down your religion, if he can water down your faith just enough where you believe enough to, to, to say, I, I love Jesus, but you don't believe enough to truly sacrifice for him, then what do you believe? Amen? Because are we any greater than the master? If the master suffered, if the master had hardships, if the master had to sacrifice, if the master said that we would endure hardship, should we not understand and expect that in this world we will have tribulation and trials, but we can be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. We can understand that even though the enduring time is may be difficult, even though it may be hard to understand, to know that there's a third day anointing, a power of God, that even if it means unto death, that we shall rise again and, and we shall live for the glory of God and the King of kings and his anointing will be upon us. It will shine even greater when we walk in his presence. Amen. Amen. So we need to understand that there is the hope of the church and is a church that's willing to truly come before him and spend time to know him, not just a half-hearted praise, but a third-day resurrection anointing of Christ Jesus that we get into, that we begin to operate in. And when we operate in that, the world doesn't need a show. What they need is the presence and power of God to show up. And when the presence and power of God shows up, there won't have to be lights. There won't have to be action. It will be, hey, God's in the house. And if God's in the house, people will come. Amen. I mean, there's so many, Ooh, be careful, Pastor Paul. Is that right, Amber? She, she told me, she said, Pastor, don't say that. Just go with it. I mean, look, I get it. I, I'm, I, love the, I love the ambience of the worship services at modern churches. I love it. I love the 
the atmosphere of, of, of just being able to uh, have the ambient lights to, to really set a stage. But let me tell you something. You can have all of that. And if you don't have the presence of God, it means nothing. It means nothing. I mean, look, I've, I've, been, I, I've been in little places down on the river of Honduras and in the jungles of La Mosquitia and, and it had a jawbone of a donkey with its teeth still in it. And they'd put that thing under their arms and they'd get a little stick and they'd hit it the teeth would rattle. And that was the instruments. And you'd hear that little teeth rattling. And then they had these little um, five-gallon buckets. And they cut them at different lengths to make different sounds. And that was the drums. And in their worship, it didn't sound like the beauty that we might would think of in our professional atmospheres. But let me tell you something. The anointing of God showed up. And people were healed and transformed by the glory of God. When you walk in this third day anointing, the resurrection anointing of God, then it doesn't matter the atmosphere of, of beauty. What matters is, is that you are sur simply surrendered and submitted to the presence and power of God, and He can transform every atmosphere, whether professional or a jawbone, whatever it takes, the presence of God shows up. Hosea chapter 6 one and two says, come let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us up. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a third day revival. Amen. I'm ready for the power. I'm ready for the two days to pass and the presence of God to show up and just ignite a fire in every one of us. Amen. There's a hope of Christ. There's a hope of the church. There's a hope for our children. You know, I, I, look, at, I look at Genesis chapter 22, and I see where uh, God tells Abraham to take his son Isaac to sacrifice him. And the Bible says that three days pass on the journey. When Isaac was strapped to the altar, Abraham had drawn his knife. It seemed like all hope was gone. I mean, it seemed like it was, it was empty. It was, it was done for. But yet... God, come on somebody, somebody so there's a but God moment, come on. And God showed up and provided a lamb for himself. Our, look, there's, there's children who are dying in their sins and trespasses, and they're waiting for a, a three-day journey, if you will. They're waiting for that moment for God to show up. And, and too many times we, we abandon the journey too soon, but we don't realize that we're the ones who have passed down these things to our children. I mean... We were born with a sin nature, and our sin nature is passed down to our children. And the thing is, is that <laughs> my mom always told me, if you're watching, mom, love you. She watches. <laughs> my mom always told me, do as, I, do as I say, not as I do. Have you, anybody ever said that to your children? Mm-hmm. And my mom got it honestly. My, my, they called my grandfather, um, they called him Richard Petty. He would, sit at a, he would sit at a red light in his big old Ford Crown Victoria 5.0. He'd have one foot on the brake 
and we'll fill the gas. And literally, it'd be... And so, as soon as that red light hit, it's like whiplash, whack, and he was gone. And then as he drove, if the car couldn't go any faster, he was... This is when my grandfather drove. He'd drive like this, like, let's get it going, let's get it going. So guess what? My mama, she drives the same way. My daddy says... Honey, if you, wouldn't, if you wouldn't think it was a racetrack from red light to red light, I wouldn't have to replace the brakes so much. So in my early years, boys, my early years, I got a, a ticket or two or five or more. I don't know. I'm just saying. My daddy told me, he says, son, your SR22 insurance is killing me. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? So my mom will say, do as I say, not as I do. And the fact is, is that how many times are we, in our spiritual life, do we pass down a lifestyle? Mm. We want our children to walk in the presence and power of God, yet we are not willing to do the same. We can, we can talk about how, oh man, I remember the revivals that happened 10, 20 years ago and how awesome they were and how the glory of God showed up and it was so heavy and the presence of God would show up and people were running around and the pastor would run on the tops of the pews and people were just shouting and it was so awesome and yet, what's changed? Did God change? Has God matured so much that, you know, he doesn't do that anymore? And yet we wonder why our kids are anemic when it comes to a presence and power of God. We wonder why they're so ignorant of, of true discipleship because we, and I'm pointing fingers at me, we have not spent the time to demonstrate the presence of God to our children and show them that the same God that touched me, it transformed my life, that delivered me from alcohol and cigarettes and all that stuff, who delivered me then is the same God who's delivering today. Amen. And the same shout I had back then is the same shout I have today. Amen? You know, somebody said, Pastor, you, you like to dance, don't you? Look, as long as these old legs, these chicken legs will give me a little bit of lift, I'm going to try to do as best I can, you know? Because I, I, I look, I, the same God who saved me, I'm just as excited about him now as I was then. I, I, I look back and think, my God, you are so awesome. You did so much for me. That hope that you gave me, that hope to know that, that my mama's prayers and her desire for me to be saved was not going in vain. There's a hope for your children. Amen. And I'm just believing that. I mean, when you look at Acts chapter 2 and 39, it says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord shall call. The call is for all of us. Amen. Romans chapter 4 and 18 talks about Abraham against hope. He believed in hope. Think about that. Even though he didn't understand even though he was wondering, God, this is the promised seed that you've given me. Look, I'm, I'm 100 years old. How in the world? Why in the world? 
Would you give me a gift, a, a promise that, that this would be the generations that would follow? And now you're wanting me to sacrifice the very seed that you've given me. But yet he, he went by faith and, and, and he went for hope because he knew that if God could give it to him a first time, he could raise him from the dead if he wanted to. It's almost as if Abraham understood that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And if Jesus Christ could raise from the dead, then he could raise up a son Isaac. Amen? Amen. I don't know about your children. I don't know about your spouse. I don't know about uh, someone in your life who might be struggling, but I'm here to tell you they might be on death's bed when it comes to spirituality, but I'm believing that God can breathe the breath of life into their brokenness, into their backsliddenness. He can raise them back up. He can breathe life and hope into them, and they can be raised up. Amen. Amen. There's hope. Hope in Christ. Hope in the church. Hope for our children. Hope for the careless. How many realize that, you know, I, I get, I don't watch the news anymore. I just, I'll read a little bit on my little app on my phone just to kind of get highlights. But the, the idea is, there's so many people that are, that are careless. It's as if they, they have no understanding of the depth and meaning of, of what it means to walk in Christ Jesus. And the further our nation goes away from the roots and principles that were, were given to us from our founders. Even before, I mean, if you ever read the Mayflower Compact and, and read what it said, I mean, this, this was supposed to be a haven for Christianity. A place where the kingdom of God will be expanded. And, and even the, the ones who signed the Declaration of Independence, the, the, what, what they put in there, we are... We're endowed by the Creator. The word, the word Creator is written with a big C because they understood the understanding that God is God. Right? And, and so, and now we, 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 it's as if we walk in a generation of people who don't understand the very roots and intentions of what was established for us in this nation for, for the glory of God. And so... We can look at this world and say it's just a careless generation, a, you know, a, a, a generation that's abandoned the things of God. But, but I'm, I'm, I want you to look at, you know, Jonah had to go to a people, and even though he didn't want to go, he wasn't, he wasn't happy. He went to a, a people who were ignorant of the things of God, 120,000 people. And he went there, and, and, and even, you know, the Bible says that he had to spend three days. Where did he have to spend that three days? In the belly of a whale. Come on. I'm not sure if it was the three days uh, that, that, that the people of Nineveh needed. It was the three days that Jonah needed to prepare himself to go give a message for God. And even after he gave a message, he wasn't very happy, was he? But the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 11, verse 30, it says, For as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites, so, so shall the Son of Man be to this generation. Come on. Jesus went to the heart of the earth three days, and because of the third day, those who were ignorant of the Lord can be saved. Those who once knew nothing about him, who, were cur who cursed his name, those who others marked off the list, shall they now they can be ever for change for the glory of God. Never did they think they would be saved, but because of the hope of the third day, Jesus Christ is the hope of glory, and now they can see the glory of God. There's hope also for conflict, right? I'm closing, if, Dre, if you want to 
There's hope in, in the midst of conflict. I mean, I look at, when I think of that, I think of Esther. And Esther was the queen at this time. And in the, in the midst of her struggle, because there had been a death sentence put on her people, Esther chapter 4, around verse 13. So what did Esther do? She called Mordecai, called her servants together, and said, I want us to fast and pray for how many days? Three days. I don't know what, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of theological reasons behind the number three. Derek can give us all those later. Maybe it's one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that she, they fasted for three days and she had a choice to make. Some of us have choices to make. Some of us find ourselves in conflicts and instead of spending three days really seeking the face of God, we, we, we spend our time calling three people, <laughs> six people. But Esther had a, had a choice to make. She had to go before the king. And, you know, we say that so just flippantly. Esther went before the king. This is a big deal. It wasn't like you just knock on the door. I mean, yes, that was her quote-unquote husband. But this was the king. You don't just walk into the king's chambers. Even as the queen, you didn't walk into the king's chambers. You... It was an invitation-only process. So there was two things the king could do if you walked in without an invitation. And that was one, to declare the death sentence. Or two, extend the scepter. And if he extended the scepter, it, it was a declaration that he could give you up to half the kingdom. And Esther knew that. And so, she prepared herself through prayer and fasting. And she went before the king. And he extended the scepter. You know, this morning we have an invitation to go before the throne of God. We've been invited. The word of God tells us that because we have a Savior who understands our position, because he was in all ways likewise tempted as we are without sin. He understands the pressures that we face. He understands the hardships, and he's a sympathetic Savior. He's a sympathetic high priest. And it declares to us in he, the book of Hebrews that we, because of that, we can come boldly before the throne of God. I don't know what, what conflict you may face. I don't know what trial you're going through, but I know this. There is an anointing, a resurrection anointing that he wants to extend to you. There's an open door policy. It's not like the kings of old because this is a king who understands you. This is a king who, who knows your position and is not calculated or influenced by your power or your influence. but is empowered by your brokenness and your humility. 
And he invites us to come in to his presence. This morning, I don't know, I mean, what you're feeling, what you're struggling with, but I do know this. There's a whole lot out there. Joy just had to attend a funeral, was it yesterday, Joy? Of a friend that young, popular kid passed away, potentially, we don't know, it's not stated, but potentially suicide. You heard me say this last week, Nick Morgan has had three friends over the last few months who have committed suicide. You know, the thing is, is that we're struggling. There's people struggling and that, that, that we don't recognize. I mean, we were built for community. We're built for each other. We're built for people. And when we get isolated, it's easy to get further isolated. I've noticed that Miss Sally has been struggling very hard. And we as a church need to make sure we're reaching out to those who are struggling very hard to love on them, to encourage them. Some are vocal, some are not. I worry about those who are non-vocal more than I do about the ones who are vocal because they don't know what I'm talking about. But I want you to understand that we have an invitation to come into the throne room of God to receive the power and anointing of God to pull us out of those struggles and then to recognize that look at you we're here together we're on this journey together we're not by ourselves we're here to hold each other's hands we're here to lift each other up but at some point we need to grab a hold of Jesus because he's the only way to get us through the trials. We carry. I love the verse that, if you, if, if you don't know, uh, Josh Shrove is the one who puts up the scriptures, and Stephanie, puts up the scriptures each week or each day for our, our website. And I love the scripture that was put up today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation man you have been given an anointing a, a power to carry the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead guess what it indwells us so we need to tap into the power of God in our lives and demonstrate that to so many who are broken so that they can see the glory of God in us and that we can, be trans, we can be those who transform the atmosphere that we walk into and live life. Amen? This morning you say, Pastor, I've been struggling. Would you raise your hand this morning? Yeah. And I raise my hand because I'm one of those. I'm that extrovert, you know, that needs people. And I've been struggling. Can we just pray for each other? Can we just encourage one another through prayer right now? Father, God, I pray. Lord, you saw every hand raised. And Lord, I'm sure there were hands even sitting in a living room right now that was also raised. And God, I pray that 
that as you are not limited to time or space, that you are even right there in those rooms, God, that you, God, would meet us right now. God, that you would give us this encouragement right now, Lord, that that this would be that moment that we begin a journey of seeking your face, God, that there'll be a stirring in us that we're not going to let the enemy, we're not going to empower him by believing the lies that he shares. We're not going to empower the enemy by letting his declaration over us direct our path. But God, through this prayer, we're going to cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And we're going to declare these words that we are the head and not the tail. We declare over ourselves right now that we are the workmanship of your hands. We declare over us that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We declare that we are your children, the children of God, the children of the King. We declare that we are an inheritance of God and that we are throne room people. We declare that we have an open invitation into your throne room today and we declare that we are victorious in Christ Jesus. And Lord, just as the song we sang, the enemy has been defeated. It's been defeated. Death, hell, and the grave has no power over me any longer, but I'm walking in the, in the anointing of the third day, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to know that this is not the end, but this is the beginning of the journey, and that life is in me, and life has empowered me because the Spirit of God is life and not death. Lord, I declare over this body right now that, that you break the chains of death that you break the mentality of darkness over this body, over this congregation, that whatever the enemy has spoken in Jesus' name be broken, chains be loosed in Jesus' name. Breathe, breathe the breath of life through this house and let your anointing flow through each one. God, let our hands be hands extended that touches other lives, that transforms them. God, let salt be in us and let light shine forth from us. God, we declare this for you are the King of glory and the King of kings and we are your heirs in Christ Jesus and we surrender and submit ourselves to you, Father. God, bring wholeness into us, completeness. Speak peace into our life in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Behold, in Jesus' name, amen. God is good. I'll sing of the glory of God. All my life I've been saved. Love you guys. Remember, next week, we're going to come together, 1030 service, love to have you. The first week in June, we'll start back with connection class, uh, aka Sunday school, come and join. We're going to end on this song.